0: well hi there folks i'm back i am in the state i regret to inform you that in georgia at the end of last week it was 86 degrees when i stepped out of hartsfield jackson airport and when i stepped out of the lafayette regional airport yesterday i immediately wanted to go back not that i prefer georgia over louisiana although i did have fun there and i will talk about uh, the conference I went to, if, if I have time today, if not, maybe tomorrow. Uh, but I, uh, I I very much enjoyed the cooler weather. I did get to see the presidential candidates, several of them, get, got to hear them speak in person, which is a very different experience than catching any of them filtered through uh, the media, through clips you see on social media, and I, I really do want to play some of the audio from that event, I just don't have time today because as I'm getting ready for the show, the we see that John Schroeder has dropped his first attack ads and it's the first attack ads to come from a candidate's campaign in this election cycle. And I want to go over those. Now, John Schroeder has launched two attack ads and they are both attacking Jeff Landry and Stephen pack. And what, uh, what Schroeder is trying to do is he's trying to get some of the revo- Republican vote to come his way so that maybe he can get into a runoff against Jeff Landry. I, I don't think that he's going to be able to bring any Democrats to himself. So at this point, he's not going to be able to take away from Sean Wilson. He just needs to get enough support from somewhere to overcome Sean Wilson and get into a runoff against probably Landry. But here is the first ad. It's called Sick and Tired. Listen to this ad.
1: Tired of Louisiana corruption and failure? Jeff Landry funneled $420,000 in campaign contributions to a company he owns. Then Landry paid himself $200,000 in annual income. Stephen Waguspak was Bobby Jindal's chief lobbyist. Waguspak and Jindal wrecked our public universities and the state budget. Cronyism? Failure. Sick and tired of Louisianans losing? Then vote for change, because change means Louisiana wins.
0: Okay, so that is the first ad from Schroeder. Uh, Tired of Louisiana corruption and failure, then proceeds to say that Landry funneled $420,000 in campaign funds to a company he owns and paid himself a $200,000 annual income then attacked Wagespac for his ties to Jindal, accused Jindal and Wagespac of bankrupting our universities and our, our, our government budget. And then there's another one in which he refers to both of his opponent, both of those Republican opponents as political insiders.
1: Politicians. Corruption. Failure. It's put Louisiana's economy and schools at the bottom. Crime at the top. Satisfied? Then vote for political insiders or demand change. John Schroeder's an army and law enforcement veteran and a businessman. John's got the guts to bring change by fighting for us. As state treasurer, I beat the fat cats for you. I'm ready to be your governor, to take on government corruption, take back our streets, fight for first-class schools. Join Team Schroeder, and let's get to work.
0: All right, so I have to play both of those in tandem because of the strategy on political ads here. Now, for those of you who are new to the show, I'd like to explain to you why ads are done in a certain way when it comes to politics. Those of you who have been listening for a while, you've heard this before, just stick around because I will break down the specifics of this race in a minute, but... You run two different types of ads in a campaign. The first type of ad that you run is to pump yourself up. The second ad is to tear your opponents down. Now, typically, you pump yourself up as much as possible heading into a primary. You want to consolidate as much support around you as you can. You want to build up your name ID. You want your name to have a positive connotation with the voter. So you run a bunch of ads pumping yourself up, talking about what you have done and what you're going to do. You have a positive message going in. And Schroeder had that in the second ad. But the visuals of the ad attacked Waggus Pack and Landry. The second ad, the second type of ad that you drop is an attack ad. Now, normally you don't drop many attack ads in the primary because attack ads are a double-edged sword. Attack ads are not meant to build up your numbers. Attack ads are meant to essentially and legally uh, suppress your opponent's votes. You try to depress people from... Go, from wanting to go out to vote for their preferred candidate. You're trying to keep their numbers down. If their numbers go down, your numbers go up. Not because more voters are coming out, but just because you get a higher percentage of the vote if fewer voters are going out for your opponents. Now, the problem with that is it's a double-edged sword because when you go negative, it does impact the number of people who will vote for you. And as a campaign, your job is to try to figure out If you can afford to lose supporters while taking out the supporters of your opponents, in effect, it's a mathematical equation. Is the return on investment going to be there? Are you going to be able to keep more voters away from your opponents than you are going to lose by going negative? What sure has done is he's launched both of those at the same time. Now, I haven't seen numbers on ad buys or anything like that, but you you know that if he put these two out, they're going to be television buys soon. From a technical standpoint, I will tell you that graphically, they're not that impressive. In the first one, you actually heard the sound effects from the transitions and all that. You heard the little tingle and the lightning and everything. You heard that. That's That doesn't... From a technical standpoint, doesn't sound all that great. But... He's got both of these out there. He's trying to build up his numbers while also tearing down Wagaspak and Landry. Now, here's why that's important for this race. This race, the polling all indicates that it's Jeff Landry's to lose. Jeff Landry is currently ahead in every poll over the rest of the crowd, including the only Democrat in the race, Sean Wilson. In the most recent polling for the race, Jeff Landry is at like 40%. That is the, uh, let's see, Citizens for a New Louisiana poll. So there's actually one more recent. It was earlier this month. It's from Emerson College. I don't like Emerson College. They're a B-plus pollster at best. But the Citizens for a New Louisiana, which is a partisan Republican group, keep in mind, they had Landry at 30% in the primary, 45% in a general election against Wilson, leaving uh, Wilson had forty percent, so the remaining fifteen percent, I guess, undecided. There, Landry at thirty percent, Wilson at twenty-eight percent, Schroeder at six percent, Wagaspack at five percent. In that poll, and that was from the beginning to middle of July. Uh, in early July, Kaplan Strategies releases a poll: Landry at thirty percent, Wilson at thirty uh, at twenty-two percent, Wagaspack at six, Schroeder at six. Late June, uh, Remington Research Group, on behalf of Reboot Louisiana, had Wilson at twenty seven percent, Landry at twenty five percent, Wagstaff at sixteen percent, Schroeder at seven percent. That uh, that Reboot Louisiana pack is a pack aligned pack, and I think and that's been very much an outlier in the uh, in the race. That is very much an outlying poll. No other numbers have really matched that. Now, the Protect Louisiana Children's, Louisiana's Children Pack, that was from the middle of June as well, uh, had Landry at 35, Wilson at 17, Waggis Pack at six, Schroeder at three. But Schroeder's come up in the polls. Waggis Pack has kind of stayed in the same place. Landry has also grown in the polls since then. Well, since the Protect Louisiana's Children, Landry's dropped. But again, Overall, in the polling, Landry's kind of hovering in that same mid-30s, lower to mid-30s. Schroeder has to consolidate the non-Landry vote. That's his path forward. He's got to try to consolidate enough support and get enough people to back away from Landry that he can get into a runoff with Landry. The problem is that Wilson is going to hover at somewhere between 30 to 35%, one-third of the electorate. That's probably his ceiling in the primary. So he's going to stay there. With Landry in the lower to mid-30s, in his worst case, maybe Schroeder can peel enough away... And get into a runoff against Wilson. Wilson's an exceptionally weak candidate. He doesn't have the uh he doesn't have the ability to generate a positive election cycle like John Bill Edwards had. What I suspect is that if Schroeder manages to pull it off, he will be in a runoff against Jeff Landry. But that's going to take a lot of effort by Schroeder. I don't know that he has the ability to do that. He does not have the money to keep up with Landry. He's still got Pack, who will undoubtedly fight back against him. And Pack will also be attacking, attacking Landry. The more attacks they launch at each other, the more their numbers, their own numbers will go down because people don't like negative ads. And there's going to be some criticism coming from conservative media in the state i'm willing to bet that scott mckay will have something to say about it at the hayride i'm willing to bet that moongrafan will have something to say about it at some point but conservatives are not going to like the republican on republican fighting they're not republican conservatives want to win And conservatives right now look at Jeff Landry, look at his numbers and look at his stockpile of money, and they say that's the way forward. And maybe it is. And maybe Schroeder or Wagspack can pull something off and get into a runoff against either Landry or Wilson. You had better hope that it ends up being Republican on Republican in the general. Because if it's Republican on Democrat and you've just fought a very fiery, very negative campaign cycle in the primaries... A lot of Republicans are going to end up staying home again. And that's going to be a big, big problem for the Republican Party in 2023. All right, let's take a break. Your calls, your messages on the KPEL app when we get back here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPEL. If you're looking for more great conservative content throughout the day, why don't you head on over to my site, redstate.com. I'm a senior editor over there, and I work with a lot of great conservatives, putting out a lot of great news and opinion each and every day. Plus, if you use my name, Joe, as the promo code, you can subscribe with a discount to our VIP section, where you'll get a ton more great content that you won't find anywhere else. Check out redstate.com today. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL 232 1542 is the number or... Use the KPL app chat to sign in, uh send whatever questions or comments you want. Shout out to Billy and Mike both for uh giving a shout out. Billy, glad to be back and talking to y'all here on the air. I, I missed talking to y'all on Thursday and Friday, although I really did enjoy uh the event that I went to. I'm going to talk about that probably in the second half of the show. Uh, Mike. Asked if I had to vote today, pothole or Landry? No question. I mean, there's there's no there's no circumstance in which I'm going to vote for Sean Wilson. Anybody who says that they are um, a lifelong bureaucrat, that they that they are a bureaucrat at heart. I'm not even you know, regardless of party, not going to vote. But but very clearly, Jeff Landry would be the way to go in that race. We don't want. Uh, a repeat of John Bell Edwards at any level of our state government. We have to have a change. The problem with Louisiana is that we have refused to change. Jeff Landry is going to be the guy who goes in there and upsets the apple cart if it comes down to Landry or Pothole Wilson. Um, if it comes down to Landry or Schroeder, that's the one I'd be, t- I, I'd, I'm, I, that one would be tough for me. I'm not sure. Um, I like Schroeder. I don't like that his ads use sources like the Illuminator uh, as, you know, the go-to for his attacks against either Landry or Wagstaff because the Illuminator is a very left-leaning uh, news outlet. But Schroeder is, I mean, Schro- a lot of conservatives in the state do like Schroeder and do like the job he's done. Uh As state treasurer, it's just unfortunate that we have that we've come down to this. I mean, if you're going to launch attack ads, I would hope that you go after uh, Wilson because Wilson is the guy who is in charge of transportation development in the state. And what does he have to show for it? Went from a D minus to a D plus or D to D plus. That's not saying anything. We can't afford to have that kind of leadership in Baton Rouge, in the governor's mansion. We have to have a Republican in there. So it's if if it's if it's Jeff Landry and Pothole Wilson, no question who it's going to be. The only question that's tough for me is if it would be Landry or Schroeder in the in the uh, runoff. I'm not sure on that one. Mike, thanks for the question though. You guys Feel free to call in, send a message after the break. Got some more local news to get into with the whole Priscilla Gonzalez thing. More news has come out about that. And I want to talk about what I learned this weekend at Eric Erickson's gathering in Atlanta. It's very interesting to hear our presidential candidates talk. I'll have more on that after the break here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Hey, this is Joe Cunningham and you're listening to the podcast version of my daily radio show. Now, if you want to listen live, all you need to do is download the KPEL news app to your phone. You can listen live every weekday from 3 to 4 p.m. and communicate with the show using the app's chat feature. So go over to your app store, download the KPEL news app and listen to my show every day from 3 to 4 p.m. Central Time on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Well, hello there. How are you guys? This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. Back after missing Thursday and Friday of last week. Uh I, I, mi- I, I really and truly, it feels so awkward being off the air. I know I'm supposed to be on the air. I know I'm supposed to be talking about the news with you guys. It's, I've been doing it a year and a half now, and it's just, I, I don't like missing the show. But I had the opportunity to go this weekend to Atlanta. Now, uh, my friend Eric Erickson, he has a nationally syndicated talk show, airs at the same time as Bongino's show. Um, Eric and I have been friends for about a decade, a little over a decade. Uh, first kind of became friends through social media and all that and work, you know kind of in the same conservative circles. He, he hired me at Red State uh nearly a decade ago i've been there ever since he had uh, he had moved on to do his own thing um his radio career has taken off he's become nationally syndicated when he was at red state he would hold these events called the red state gathering and it was at the red state gathering several years ago that i was first uh picked uh he 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 had hired me to the front page of red state where i've been um when he left red state he still carried on doing the gatherings Uh, And he had one this past weekend. It it went from being the Red State gathering to the resurgent gathering, because the resurgent was a website he was operating at the time, to now the Eric Erickson Show gathering. And at this gathering, he had, uh, among other speakers, he had six presidential candidates. Now, Trump was not there. Trump was not invited because his campaign has made very clear that, that he's not going to share the stage with the other candidates. He doesn't see a need to share the stage With other candidates, he's he's not going to be the same event as those So he wasn't even invited in the first place and he wasn't going to show up. Plus, as it turns out, there's this quirk in Georgia law where if the D.A. found out he was in the state, they would have shown up and arrested him on stage just for the show of it. But according to Georgia law, if you're under indictment and haven't yet been arraigned, if they find out you're in the state, they can just come and arrest you at any point. So even if they had invited Trump, Trump wouldn't have been able to go. But six other candidates were there. Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, Chris Christie, Vivek Ramaswamy, Vivek Ramaswamy. All of them had really good points to make. And the importance of the event is that it was free of the shadow of Trump. Nobody was talking about the indictment. Nobody was talking about Trump and the polling, anything like that. It was Eric on stage talking with the candidates about the issues they care about the most. And so for the first time, for a lot of the folks that were at this event, it was their first time hearing from the candidates that in a way that wasn't through the filter of the mainstream media and wasn't overshadowed by Trump and his indictments and everything like that. People got to hear actual substantive policy uh, discussion from the candidates. Now you, A lot of you I know are already sold on Trump. Trump's your guy. You're going to vote for Trump when the primary swings through Louisiana in March. And that's okay. And I'm not doing any of this to try to persuade you otherwise. But it's important to know what else is out there because the media does not want you to hear Republican ideas no matter who they come from. Remember, they're not talking about Trump because they think Trump's ideas are the best. They're talking about Trump because he's he's under indictment and they think he's the most problematic guy, and they, they really, the media really wants Trump to be the Republican nominee because they think that they can beat Trump, although the polling is now shifting to where, at best, it's 50-50 between them. But anyway, I want to play some of the clips from this one, uh, from from this event, because it is, I think, really important for us, even if you're not voting for them, it's important for us to have these ideas out there it's important for us to talk about some of these really important parts of the Republican platform or what should be the Republican platform. Take, for example, this bit from Ron DeSantis.
2: All this bureaucracy is necessary. Uh, they've increased the agencies by 50% since 2019. A lot of that was COVID and then they locked it in at higher levels. Are you trying to tell me if we went back to just the size of government we had five years ago that somehow that this would be uh, bad for the country? Are you 50% better off as an American? Of course not. So there's so much of this that is grossly excessive. So we're going to do things like, um, you know, uh, reduction through attrition. Uh, you know, we're going to empower the secretaries, um, you know, to be to be more um, um, uh, aggressive um, at, at laying people off. We're going to issue a directive: all D.C. footprint for the agencies needs to be reduced by 50 percent because you've had so much of these people consolidated in D.C. and all that. So that's just the government is too big, and we need to reduce its size.
0: And he's absolutely right. And, and the size and scope of the bureaucracy, that wasn't the only thing I mean, that, that he wasn't the only one talking about that. Chris Christie talked about that. Mike Pence talked about that. These other candidates really talked about this. Uh, Chris Christie actually, uh, if you listen to him speak, Chris Christie, when he's talking about things other than Trump, is a very likable guy. But a lot of people forget that Chris Christie took on the teachers unions in his first year in New Jersey as governor. And one, Chris Christie found a way to fire an entire police department in New Jersey because they were doing nothing to fight the rising crime rates. I mean, this is a guy who has some some political skill and some conservative skill. But where Christie was then and where Christie is now causes a lot of conservatives concern for good reason. But Christie talked about this a lot, too. Uh, Tim Scott talked about Bidenomics and just how bad Bidenomics is. Oh, hey, I'm sorry. That's the wrong. That's the wrong clip. Hang on. Uh, Tim Scott on on Bidenomics. Average American family has lost $10,000 of
1: spending power because of Bidenomics. When your gas is 40% higher and your food is 20% higher, and your electricity costs you an extra $2,000 a year. A single mom like the one that raised me or a, or a senior on a fixed income, that's called a crisis. Washington doesn't understand that. They're so insulated. When the government under President Biden sets its budget to spend 40% more than they take in, it tells you that you're living in an unreal place it's, it's 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 an illusion
0: he's right the economy is going to be one gigantic aspect of the 2024 election and regardless of who the republican candidate is they need to be talking about these sorts of things again the average american family has lost ten thousand dollars of spending power because of joe biden and what you're not hearing in the media is any republican talking about it because the media is so focused on On Donald Trump and all of his legal issues and everything like that, because they think that one, Donald Trump's going to be the candidate and two, that Joe Biden can beat Donald Trump. And so that's what they're focusing on. And you're missing a lot of good substantive policy discussion because of it. There's one more clip I want to play. Nikki Haley had probably one of the most emotionally impactful moments in this uh, in this conference. She talked about caring for our veterans. Her husband is a veteran. And she talked about uh, the impact that it had on him and how we just are not taking care of our veterans in America.
3: Today, 33,000 veterans are homeless in this country. One in three of our heroes suffers from PTSD or thoughts of suicide we lose 22 heroes a day to suicide. If a veteran needs to get a doctor's appointment at the veterans at the VA hospital, on average, it takes 29 days. Why 29 days? Because on the 30th day, they can go to the doctor or hospital of their choice. So halfway through the 29 days, they get a call to reschedule and the clock starts all over again. It's shameful how we treat our veterans. So what I can tell you is it's also important that we understand on TV. You love to see when, when our soldiers come home and it's a blessed day and having our families get back together. But the real work, Eric is when we actually get home.
0: Right after she discussed that, she mentioned how, when her husband came back from Afghanistan, he could not hear loud noises. The PTSD, like you, you couldn't, if there was a loud noise, it would it, it would be just traumatic. And so, Haley's right. And one of the things she said during the speech, it wasn't in that clip, was we need to be able to let our veterans pick and choose their healthcare provider, not after that thirty days that she referenced, but immediately. And the best way to solve the VA problems is to force Congress to be. On VA healthcare, because if Congress was put onto that system of health care rather than the sweetheart package deal they get, the VA problems would be fixed in a heartbeat, but they're not going to do that. Now there's one other issue that every candidate touched on. Tim Scott and Ron DeSantis touched on it very effectively, and that's the issue of education. And I've I've mentioned Many, many times. I think education is the biggest issue. Behind the economy, education and parental rights are going to be the top issue that will win 2024 for the Republican Party. Ron Santos made a very good point on stage. I wish I, I don't have the clip right now. I will try to have it for later. But Ron DeSantis said very point blank, very matter of factly, the Democrats don't want parents involved in their children's education. The Democrats and the teachers and the teachers unions don't want their don't want ki- parents to be involved in their kids education. Not about the trans stuff, not about critical race here, but just in general, they don't want outside interference in the system they've built. Think about that. Think about, as Tim Scott said, the fact that parents deserve the right to make the choice about where their kids go to school. You know, I was a teacher. I can point out plenty of teachers who will all tell you the same thing. It's the kids whose parents aren't involved. Those are the ones that are more often than not the biggest troublemakers. Those are the kids That goof off. Those are the kids that are distractions. Those are the kids that are behavior issues. Those are the kids that slip through the cracks. They are the ones who suffer the most when it comes to academic success. When their parents are not involved, they do not succeed in our education system. And yet, that's what the Democrats are saying. When the Democrats say parents don't need to be involved in this, leave it to the teachers, leave it to the system. That's what Democrats are saying: is we don't care how many kids fall through the cracks. Because you aren't there, you aren't involved. We don't want you involved interfering in the system that we've built to indoctrinate your kids. When the fact is we need more parental involvement, we need more parents involved with their children, just in general, much less in education. That's what we need right now is more parents who are there who are paying attention. Not the parents who are saying, my little sweetheart, my little angel does no wrong, and it's these teachers who are wrong no matter what, but parents who are involved. When their kid screws up, the parents are there getting onto the kids, helping reinforce uh, what the teacher is saying. But also parents who are there to back their kids up, parents who are there to support their kids when they are struggling. And the Democrats and the teachers unions, they don't want that. They don't want you to be involved with that. And that's what Republicans need to hop on. And that's what these candidates are hopping on. And on Wednesday, when these candidates minus Donald Trump are at the debate, I'm hoping they get the chance to talk about this more, because these are all discussions that regardless of who your chosen candidate is, we need to have these talks on policy. 232-1542 is the number. Let's take this break. We'll be back to wrap up the show here. The Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. You know, in case you miss any show, you can always go back and listen. They aren't lost forever once you listen to them. But I do have a request. If you guys listen to The Joe Cunningham Show and you like what you're listening to, go to your podcast app, wherever you're listening to this from, and give the podcast a rating and a review. That helps get the podcast out in front of more eyes so that we can help the show grow. Thanks again for listening to The Joe Cunningham Show right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232 1542 is the number or you can send a message through the KPL app chat. Now, before we go, I do have to get back to a story uh, that I started with last week. The The saga of Priscilla Gonzalez, Democratic candidate, continues. Gonzalez was found disqualified. Or she was disqualified in the race uh for mayor president. Judge Valerie Gotch Garrett ruled that she uh did not uh she did not prove that she had been a resident of Lafayette for more than a year. Gonzalez has uh has filed a cease and desist against those who were accusing her of not being a resident, those who filed the Uh, The residency challenge and they have filed a cease and desist against her. They've written her a cease and desist letter for accusing them of stalking her and accusing one of them of having a history of punching people. I'm not making this up. They are accusing her of defaming them because they are challenging her residency. Um, This has become quite the sideshow in the mayor president's race uh, but Priscilla Gonzalez is not eligible she's been disqualified. she is appealing the decision she has on her campaign Facebook page uploaded photos of her uh, of her uh, evidence that she will use in her appeal uh, after the uh, after the initial case, She did uh, tout it as a good thing because now she she says she now knows what she needs to prove her residency. Um, But there, among the uh, the left leaning activists locally and Priscilla Gonzalez. There is a fight because she has a apparently she she has a Jeff Landry sign on her front lawn. Uh, That was one comment we saw online. Um, She had the picture of all the Jeff Landry paraphernalia. That she posted to her campaign site, but she also, again, has has posted things like, you know, reminiscing on her time in Corpus Christi uh, and as recently as this past December said, hey, if you need a ride to the polls, just send me a DM. I, and if she, I don't know why she would ask people to DM her if she wasn't living there at the time. So just very, very weird how this whole thing is kind of played out, but... Uh, the the saga there continues. Uh, as far as local campaigns go, that we've somehow that's somehow turned into just the the hot dumpster fire to watch. Uh, and it's an election year. We we have to cover it. I will say more on a more serious note. We are a news talk station. We will be covering the elections this year. Our election coverage has begun. I'm covering these issues covering the uh, the attack ads. We'll be covering polls and things like that as they come in. Uh, I, I'm reaching out to some candidates. I'm not going to hit every race. I just can't with the number of races and candidates there are. There are some races that I will highlight that you may not expect to be uh, highlighted. Uh, they, they're not races that typically get a whole lot of conversation, but as part of our election coverage and as part of what I was saying last week about needing our voters to be informed and making great decisions based on, Information. I don't know why I said that so wrong. Based on real and accurate information, and listening to the candidates, I want to make sure we have all that here on my show and here on News Talk ninety six point five KPL. That's it for me. Glad to be back with y'all this week. We're going to have a lot of fun. Of course, we've got a debate this week. President Trump has just been uh, given a bond of two hundred thousand dollars. Of course, a ton of news that we haven't even touched on, and we're already out of time. But you can follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham show and email Joe at red There is a special episode of the podcast that I recorded this weekend, talking about the education stuff. You can find that as well as the podcast of today's episode, which goes up shortly over at substack Joe Cunningham show substack.com is where you can find all the podcasts as well as my writings on politics and current events. You guys have a great day. Shannon, is extremely off-size, and he's coming up next here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL.